Welcome to the Government Services Chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians podcast. GSASEP represents emergency physicians who work in the federal government, including active duty military, National Guard, and military reserves, as well as the Veterans Administration, Indian Health Service, and other federal agencies. Our mission is advancing emergency care for America's heroes. In this podcast, we bring you lectures and conversations with leaders in federal emergency medicine to help you better care for your patients and lead your departments. The views expressed on this podcast are personal views and do not represent the views of the Department of Defense, any branch of the military, or the federal government, and they do not constitute endorsement of any product by any of these entities. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Scott Young. And if you can't tell from all the cheesy branding going on all around me, I am from Madigan Army Medical Center. I am the outgoing residency program director. And I, like you all, am a lifelong learner. I successfully navigated college, medical school, residency, and even fellowship. I passed the 10-year research exam, and you would think that would mean that I'm pretty smart, right? Or at least able to get through a couple of standardized tests. That list of quote-unquote accolades would imply that I have mastered learning. But the truth is, I, I don't think I have. I've been really frustrated by you know coming across an interesting bit of information or a, a journal article or a podcast or you know, learning something from a resident or a colleague on shift and then not being able to recall that stuff later on, not like 20 minutes later or two days later or when it really matters, you know, maybe a couple weeks later in the emergency department, especially sometimes when it's really important. And this fact has really frustrated me to no end. And so I started doing some looking into learning and how we can learn more effectively. And that's what I'd like to share with you today. There's a couple parts of this lecture. The, the first 10 minutes or so, we'll be talking about some education concepts in learning. And then the second part will be some thoughts on how we can implement that into some of the things that we already know and love, journals and podcasts and things like that. So of course, as a disclaimer, these are my views and not the Department of Defenses. So starting with Education theory, man, everybody's favorite, right? Well, we're just going to discuss four concepts today, and that is the ideas of retrieval, spaced repetition, elaboration, and interleaving. When most of us started learning in high school and college and medical school, we did a lot of reading, and then we did a lot of rereading, right? You'd go through, you'd read, you would highlight sections, and then you go back through and reread your highlights a few times, and hopefully that would get you through the exam but educational research has shown that this is not the most effective way to learn, and it definitely doesn't make things stick for the long term. So if we shouldn't be rereading, what should we be doing? Well, as it turns out, we should be asking a lot of questions to ourselves, as opposed to rereading using that retrieval mechanism that forces us to recall the information. Now, this image comes from an article uh, on a website called Teach Like a Champion, and it just discusses the importance of retrieval. Retrieving information rather than rereading is hard, right? Which is why a lot of us don't like to do it, but it does provide the greatest amount of strengthening of neural pathways to solidify information in our memory. I wanna show you a graph here that kind of represents a lot of the education literature out there. And this is from a study that was published back in 2006. But when you look at this graph, there's three groups. The four S's group, those individuals were exposed to some data, which they were allowed to read four separate times. And then they were tested at five minutes and then tested again at one week. 
The second group, three S's and one T, they read that information or that piece of data three separate times. And then the fourth time, they were just asked to recall as many pieces of the data as they could. And then the third group, one S and three T's, were only allowed to read the data once, and then they had to recall the information on three separate uh, occasions or three separate intervals, times, and then they were all tested again at five minutes in one week. And as you can see from the graph, the people that read the information just reread it several times, the four S's in that black bar there on the left. Obviously, they had the best recall at five minutes, but their recall at one week was terrible. Now, as you can see from the other two uh, bars in the graph, the individuals that just read through the information once and then had to recall the information on three separate occasions had the best recall at one week, even though they had the worst recall at five minutes. And everybody's gonna lose some recall as one would expect over that period of time. So in the interest of the idea of retrieval, what is the most effective method to review information for long-term retention? Well, it's retrieval, right? That's what we just talked about. Now we know that asking questions and forcing retrieval is the most effective means of learning. What is the next step in that process? Well, it turns out asking those questions repeatedly over a space period of time. I love this quote that came out of a great book called Make It Stick. I certainly would recommend to anybody that's interested in education. Your brain is like a forest. The memory is in there somewhere. The more times you make a path to that memory, the better the path is. And how often, how frequently do we need to space out the more times, right, that we make the path to that memory? And that's what we're talking about here is spaced repetition. So there's a couple of ways to go about doing this. One, you could do it in an expanding manner where you learn the information and then you retrieve it one day later and then three days later and then five days later, sort of an expanding format. You could do it in an equal spacing. So every five days, you just re-retrieve that information. Or you could do it in a uh, contracting manner where you retrieve the information at seven days and then again at three days after that and then again one day after that. So they looked at this and the bottom line up front is it doesn't really matter. You can see, especially from these, the three uh, clusters of bars to the right of the graph, the short, medium, and long, each bar represents a different type of spaced repetition, expanding, equal, and contracting. And you can see that the, rec the recall or the proportion recalled is really not that much different amongst the, each of those different techniques. So the bottom line is, it doesn't really matter how you space it out. You just have to do some sort of spaced repetition. So we talked about retrieval and how we need to retrieve information through questions rather than just rereading it. We talked about spaced repetition and how you need to obviously see that information more than once in some sort of a spaced manner, and it doesn't matter how you do that spacing. The next concept we're gonna talk about is elaboration. So another great quote, learning should not be an accumulation of knowledge, but rather a construction of latticework that interlaces newly acquired information with previously learned knowledge. So the idea is that you wanna click that new piece of information into all the things that you already know and sort of update your knowledge rather than trying to just learn something new that's sitting out in space on its own. And that's what the idea of elaboration is. So it's taking that new piece of information and then somehow integrating it into what you already know. And there are probably a lot of ways to go about this. And because we're in the military, somebody's, there's gotta be a five W's in there somewhere, right? So that's 
how we're going to talk about doing elaboration. And it's a little cheesy, but bear with me here. The who is who taught this information to me before. Again, I get it. It's a little cheesy. But what did you know before on this topic before you got to this new piece of information? What is the actual piece of information that you're trying to learn or concept or whatever? You know, what is it that you're actually trying to learn here? When? When are you going to use this information? What patient population? What setting? Etc. Where? This is a prompt to encourage you to perform maybe some visualization. Actually see yourself in the setting that you would be using this new piece of information, whether it's a drug dosage or, you know, a way to evaluate pulmonary embolism or whatever. Where is that specific setting that you're going to use this piece of information and actually see yourself in your mind through visualization using this piece of information in the way that you would want to do that? And then, of course, why? There's got to be a why behind it. There's no reason to learn it. Maybe it's just for the test or maybe it's for something that you think would be really important clinically down the road at some point. So let's touch on the last of the concepts here. We talked about retrieval and spaced repetition, and we touched a little bit on elaboration using the five W's. So we're going to talk briefly about interleaving. Now, interleaving is basically mixing up subjects. Like rather than doing a bunch of cardiology questions, you're mixing up cardiology and endocrine and whatever other subjects you might be studying. They've looked at this both in the education literature and, you know, sort of, again, a little bit cheesy, and I'm not a huge sports fan, but bear with me on this one. You know, pitchers is a great way to talk about this concept of blocking versus mixing. If you have a pitcher who throws a bunch of fastballs until they really feel comfortable with fastballs, and then they throw a bunch of curveballs until they really feel comfortable with curveballs, and so on and so forth, you know, they perform pretty well, as you can see in the graph on the left, the letter B, the blockers, those are the ones that are blocking all their practice for each type of pitch at the same time, right? They perform pretty well when they practice until they're really comfortable with it. Where the people who, the pitchers in this uh, particular example, who throw a couple fastballs and then a couple sliders and then a couple curveballs, you know, their accuracy or their performance is maybe not quite as good when they're going through practice. But then when it comes to testing, the people that mix up those pitches, the mixers, right? They are actually gonna perform better than the blockers because the blockers in the performance phase are actually going to have to uh, mix that stuff, mix up those pitches, right? Kind of like we do in the emergency department. You know, we obviously you're going from room one that might have a chest painter to room two, that's a pediatric fever to room three, that's a DKA or whatever. So you don't want to necessarily study by reading a bunch of cardiology questions or, you know, spending a lot of time reading through a bunch of cardiology articles and then moving on to the next topic. So the bottom line is that interleaving, mixing things up a little bit is going to increase your tension, your retention, even though it probably doesn't feel as effective. But it certainly represents more what we do in the emergency department. So those four learning techniques, one more time, retrieval, spaced repetition, elaboration, and interleaving. All right. So I'm sure you guys love education theory as much as I do, but let's move on to some practical application here. This is where I think a lot of us get our EM knowledge from, right? It's podcasts like EM Rap or EM Cases. It's great blog posts like Rebel EM. It's journals such as Annals of Emergency Medicine. And of course, there's a whole lot more out there. 
how do we consume this information? Well, we often do it while we're driving or while we're exercising or maybe a journal club or a board round, something comes up. And how can we use these four techniques that we've talked about to learn this information in a way that it is more retrievable at one week, one month, or one year, and is there when we really need it in the emergency department when providing patient care? So starting with the first concept of retrieval, well, of course, there's an app for that. And there's a lot of different options out there. These are just a couple of examples. The one on the far left is Anki, A-N-K-I. And many of you have probably used this before. It's kind of a flashcard type app. The one in the middle is Neurocache. And uh, then of course, if you don't wanna pay for an app, you can always just use the notes function on your device, whether it's you know, an iDevice or uh, Android or whatever. I'm sure they all have note functions where you can basically create a question off of something that you want to learn so that you can quiz yourself in the future. Now, I like the Anki and they don't pay me any money and I certainly paid for it myself. Um, I'm just biased because that's the one that I use, right? So this is an example of my desktop version of Anki. And basically, as you can see, it comes up there. There's a front and the back of the flashcard and you can organize them by a subject as necessary. But this particular flashcard actually came off a journal feed article where I uh, just saw, thought it was an interesting piece of information about using the years criteria, but then modifying your... Um, high D-dimer value to age-adjusted rather than just the 1,000. Now, what's important about this, I know that there's a lot of Anki flashcard decks that are floating around out there. My residents trade them around all the time, but I don't think it's the same when you didn't create the flashcard yourself. So I think it's important that you ask the question in the way that's meaningful to you, and the answer is also written in a way that's meaningful to you. So that's what I've done here. I created the, the question and then the answer on the back. And then um, for those that haven't seen Anki before, this is how the question comes up, at least on my desktop. My phone version is a little bit different. And then, you know, when you click show answer, it just shows you the back of it. Um, and I always put a reference on the bottom in case I can't figure out what the hell I was talking about. I can always click the reference and, and go sort that out. So that's the retrieval part of this process, right? So now I've created a question and forced myself to retrieve the information rather than just rereading it over and over again. So the next step in this process is spaced repetition. We talked already about how frequently this should be, and it really doesn't matter as long as you're reviewing it in a spaced manner. And again, these apps are great. You know, Anki and Neurocache especially will already do the spacing for you. You don't have to determine it yourself. Now, the Notes app, you might have to set a reminder for five days from now or however long you want that spacing to be but they'll do these, you know, expanding and contracting. It's mostly expanding, I think, at least with Anki, but it gives you that spaced repetition that you're looking for. All right, so that gives us the retrieval and the spaced repetition. And then the next thing is elaboration. So I wanna give you an example of this elaboration thing. I love journal feed. I think journal feed is great a great piece of information in my inbox every day. My problem with journal feed is it's like a, you know, they give you this fun fact in a little bit of background based on the journal article, but it's usually sort of this fun fact that's kind of hovering out without any real connection. So for me, when I read something on journal feed that I find interesting, I run through, again, the, the five W's for as cheesy as they are. So who, who taught me about this particular topic before? What did I know before coming across this new piece of information, going back to the years thing, right? What did I know about using the D-dimer to evaluate pulmonary embolism before? And then what did I just learn about it? How did I learn 
or excuse me, what did I learn about the years criteria and the age adjusted D-dimer that is going to impact the way that I used to evaluate these? And when am I going to use this? What setting, what patient population am I talking about specifically? What situations, you know, what wells uh, risk level am I going to be thinking about before I consider using these different age adjusted D-dimers? And then where? And this is where I will literally just think to myself, okay, I'm in bed, you know, for Charlie in the Madigan Emergency Department, and I'm talking to this patient who is a low risk by wells for pulmonary embolism, and I'm going to order a D-dimer and what, you know, value, I just visualize myself going through this process. And it really just, I don't know, just kind of helps solidify the information and helps it stick better. And then why do I care? Well, obviously, because I want to do less CTs if I can, but I also don't want to miss any pulmonary embolisms. And I think this is a great piece of information and was worth adding to what I already knew on the topic. So after elaboration comes interleaving, and some of this comes naturally, right? We already do this with Roche Review, Peer 9. A lot of these question banks are already mixed up for you. And again, as I said before, it really matches what we already do in the emergency department you know, where we're seeing patients of different, you know, complaints, chest pain and peds fever, and they're all mixed up. And that's how we, how we pretty much work anyways. Those apps also fortunately will mix up the questions that you put into them as well. So it automatically does that interleaving for you, which is helpful. If you're using the notes app, you might have to mix them up yourself a little bit. So now I know you're thinking, I'm going to create these flashcards, but when exactly am I going to go through all these flashcards? It's just not something, you know, that's not in my process, not in my daily process. What am I really going to go through that? I'm not a resident anymore, even though I realize some of you probably are. So I think this cartoon really tells it well. Someday you'll be able to hold one of these in the palm of your hand while you poop. Then all I have to say is that you'll have time to go through these flashcards if you really want to, and we'll leave it at that. So... I know what you're thinking. Do I really have to go through all these steps? Am I really going to do the five W's every time I learn something that's interesting to me? You know, it seems pretty onerous. And the answer is, you know, not necessarily. You don't necessarily have to do all this retrieval and create a flashcard and space repetition every single time. Um, But I do think that it is worth stopping a podcast or whatever you're reading when you come across something that's important to you and going through some of this elaboration, right? Uh, And if you don't like the whole five W's thing, then figure out what it is that helps it, helps you to insert that new piece of information to what you already knew before about it. I mean, essentially you're just making learning a more active process, right? And that is going to increase your long-term retention and hopefully make that information available to you when you really need it at the bedside. So in summary, good learning is hard. Retrieving is much more challenging than rereading stuff over and over and frankly doing a bunch of multiple choice questions, which is what we often do. It's going to feel like you're not making progress, but the evidence shows that you are. Write short questions as you come across new information and force yourself to retrieve that information rather than just rereading it or going through multiple choice questions where you get prompts. Spaced repetition. Take those questions that you you wrote and just review them a few times over a few weeks. The spacing doesn't matter. Just re-expose yourself to that information in a retrieval fashion using spaced repetition. 
I've shown you some electronic resources. I'm sure there are plenty others out there that I haven't talked about, and I'm certainly not biased to anyone in particular. Elaboration, think about this new information that you came across. How does it fit into what you already know? And how would you explain it to someone else uh, in your words, right? Not in the speaker, if it's a podcast or the author, or if it's a blog post or journal article that you're reading. And when you're building a bank of questions, just make sure you're mixing them up. Um, that way you're more likely to remember them in a mixed up manner, which is how we practice because that's what we do in emergency medicine. So from my experience with this, I've definitely found it to be helpful in retaining some knowledge that I don't think I would have otherwise. And honestly, if nothing else, it just feels like I'm doing something right when I'm trying to learn something new. I feel like I'm not wasting my time or spinning my wheels. I read something over and over and spend two hours trying to remember it. And then one week later, I can't even remember, right? At least this way, it's a structured process um, that is reproducible. And, you know, I have those flashcards and I can go through them whenever I want and, and rehash some of that information. So with that, I appreciate your attention and the opportunity to speak to you today. I certainly would love to hear your questions about these um, topics that I've, or these concepts, I guess, that I've been talking about, but also would love to hear your take on the best ways to learn this information and remember it um, so that we can, you know, so it'll be there when we need it at the bedside. Thank you very much. GSASEP is proud to be the premier continuing medical education source for military and federal emergency physicians. To purchase CME for the episode you just listened to, please click on the link in the show notes. The Government Services Chapter of the American College of Emergency Physicians promotes quality emergency care and enhances the development of emergency physicians who serve our nation from training through retirement. Learn more about our chapter at www.gsacep.org.